Thank you so much. One thing that I have never understood but still amazes me is the grace of God. And I am so glad that I am a recipient of the Lord's grace. But when we were children, we used to sing the song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Today, as we continue our series from the Old Testament, we have come to Jericho. Now, 40, 45 years has passed since the people of Israel have been given their freedom from Egyptian bondage. And now they have crossed Jordan. As they cross Jordan into the promised land, they come with a promise because God had promised them that he was going to give them the land. So all the land that is in front of them, God has promised to them. They also come into the land with a problem, Jericho. You see, the first city in Canaan, the first city in the promised land was Jericho, and Jericho had to be conquered for them to continue their journey. There was one commentator who wrote, It is believed that this, speaking of Jericho, that this was probably the stronghold in the land of Canaan, Take this city and what encouragement God's people would receive, what fear it would put in the hearts of God's enemies. So they now have crossed over Jordan into the Promised Land, but they have to conquer Jericho. Now, Jericho was a city that was fortified by two walls. There was an outer wall encircling the city that was six feet thick and twenty feet high. Now, between the outer wall and the inner wall, there was a fifteen-foot walkway that was guarded. It was a dry moat. The inner wall was twelve feet thick and thirty feet high. So when we consider the city of Jericho, you have to understand that it was a well fortified city, and Israel had to conquer it. Now take your Bibles, turn with me to the story, Joshua chapter 5, beginning in verse number 13. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. Rather, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What is my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the sons of Israel. No one went out, no one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. And you shall march around the city, all the men of war, circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. 
And it shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. Now, God gives promises, but to claim those promises, we must respond in faith. Okay? God makes promises to us, but to claim those promises, we must respond in faith. Now, the problem we have is that normally we see the problems that keep us away from faith rather than seeing the one who can solve the problems. And certainly that was true with Israel throughout their history. They were always able to see the problems. You recall when they came to the edge of the promised land some 40 years earlier, and Moses sent in 12 spies to spy out the land. The spies came back to give their report. They all were in agreement as to what they saw. They said, the land is indeed a land that is flowing with milk and honey. It is all that God said it would be. But there were 10 of the spies who said, but we can't go in because there are giants there. We look like grasshoppers in their sight, and we cannot go in. So they lost sight then of the promised land, and all they saw was the giants who were in the land. And the Bible says in Numbers 14, 2, And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in this wilderness. They came to the edge of the promised land. God had promised them the land. But when they came back, all they saw was the giants, and they said, we cannot go in, and they grumbled. Well, we see the same thing concerning the Red Sea. When they came to the Red Sea, the Red Sea was in front of them. Pharaoh's army was behind them. And at that point, they did not see, they did not remember how God had miraculously given them their freedom. They had been slaves in Egypt. God had intervened. He had miraculously released them, giving them their freedom. But now then, here they are, the Red Sea in front of them, the Egyptian army behind them, and that is all that they could see. And so in Exodus 14, 11, then they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? So here they are again, and they are complaining once again, because all they see is the problem. When they were out of food, they did not see how God had provided miraculously for them. All they saw was that they didn't have food. And so the Bible says in Numbers 11, 4, The sons of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? They lost sight. They did not see how God had miraculously led them even in the wilderness. And so they complained about their leaders. They complained about Moses and Aaron. Point is, I want you to see, is that, ladies and gentlemen, God gives us promises, but we don't claim the promises because we focus on the problem rather than the one who solves the problem. Is that not true with us? Now, think about it as believers. 
We look at our country today. What is your focus concerning America today? We look at its ungodliness. We look at the hostility that is being directed towards the church today. We look at our country, and so what do we do? We wring our hands, and we're ready to throw in the towel. We're ready to give up on our country. What about the economy? When we look at the economy today, what do we see? Well, we see 9.5% unemployment. We see the possibility of inflation in the future. We see the expenditures that are being made, and, and uh, so we have a tendency to, to despair as a result of it. I have a friend I went to high school with, Philip Keeter. He's an oil man down in Texas. I was talking to Philip. We were talking about the economy. And he said, you know, Wendell, he said, today diversity is defined in terms of whether you bury your money in the backyard or hide it in the mattress. Well, that's sort of the way that we are whenever we look at the economy, we look at the country, we look at young people today. My goodness, what's happening to the young people? We give up on them. We're ready to throw in the towel with them. And let me tell you what happens. If your focus is on God rather than on the problem, you come to a different conclusion. If we, as the people of God, begin to focus on our Lord rather than the problems that are greater than we are, then we come to a different conclusion, which is what Joshua did. Look at chapter 5, verse number 13. Now, it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. You see, what happened to Joshua? Joshua had come to Jericho, but he looked beyond the walls, he looked beyond the city, and he saw the Lord. It's interesting also in that verse because Joshua, when he saw the Lord's representative, said to him, Now, are you for us or are you for the adversary? And he said, No. No what? Folks, God doesn't take sides. God takes over. And so his answer simply was no. God is not. You know the idea that God's on my side or God's on your side? God doesn't take sides. And we need to commit ourselves to God. So as I look at Joshua at this point, he didn't see the city, he didn't see the walls, he saw the Lord, and he came to a different conclusion. I am trying consciously to be more God-conscious, and I've confessed to you that uh, I have had the tendency, I have had the temptation to focus on all the problems and not see the Lord. And I'm really trying hard to be more God-conscious. For instance, I look at our country, and I'm as concerned about it as you are. There is no question that America has drifted from its value, no question. There is no question that this is not the country in which I grew up, no question. There is no question that America has changed. But let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, God has not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He still has the power today that He had back then. Our God still has the same power.
And He still can provide revival to those who cry out to Him. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and will heal their land. God can do that. If you focus on God, God can bring revival. And I'm more optimistic than I've been. Our young people, our children, oh, listen, I'm so proud of them, thankful for them. There are some deacons, as you know, who come in and pray with me on Sunday morning. I thought it was interesting today as we had our time of prayer. Roland Lyde, who's back there. Roland's a young man of 80 plus years. But the thing that was of interest to me is that he was praying for our young people today. Listen, that's what we need to do. Rather than, rather than saying that the young people are all going in the wrong direction... You and I need to pray for them. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6? And, and parents, this is important. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Let me tell you, parents, invest spiritually in your children and trust the Lord. Oh, God can raise them up. God can raise them up to make a difference personally. God can meet all of our needs. The Bible says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now, faith is necessary to claim the promises of God. God offers promises to you. But He expects you to respond in faith. But there also has to be commitment, not just faith, but also commitment to claim the promises of God. And the reason I say that is because God's plans are oftentimes strange. Have you noticed that? In fact, the Lord says that in Isaiah 55, 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Now, you see, it's important that we are committed to the Lord because His plans oftentimes are strange to us, and that is so here. Look at chapter 6, verse number 3. Now they're going to take the city, and you shall march around the city, all the men of war encircling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. Now, what kind of strategy is that? Surely somebody should have said, well, let's get some ladders and crawl over the wall. Or someone could have said, why don't we burrow underneath the wall, or let's storm the wall, or let's set it on fire, let's do something. What kind of a plan is that? Lord, how are we going to take this city? Well, I want you to go out and march around it and do that about six days, and then on seventh day, march around seven times and blow the horns. What a strange plan that is. But I see the same thing concerning Jehoshaphat. When Jehoshaphat was encircled by his enemies, the Bible says that he went to the Lord in prayer. He assembled everybody together, and they prayed. And the Lord said, now, don't worry about it, because the battle is not yours, it's mine. Okay, Lord, the battle is yours. What are we going to do? And God said, well, what I want you to do is get everybody together, and I want you to go out and just start singing and praising me. What kind of plan is that? Well, we, got, we got these armies encircling us, and you want us to go out and sing and praise? Well, they did, and the Bible says in Second Chronicles 20, and when they began singing and praising... The Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were routed. God has some strange plans, doesn't He? 
I don't know about you, but I think that his plan of salvation is a strange plan. That Jesus is going to die on the cross so that I can... Now, how does that happen? Jesus dies on the cross 2,000 years ago. As a result of his death on the cross, I'm offered salvation. What a strange plan that is. That he dies so that I can live... The Lord tells us that if uh, in His plan, that if we are going to receive, what do we do? Now, that was a question. For us to receive, what do we do? We give. In order for us to receive, we give. The Bible says in Luke 6, 38, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Die to live. You see, the reason that it is so important that we are committed to the Lord is because oftentimes we don't understand His plans. They are strange to us. So we have to be committed to Him. Well, what does that mean? It means that we obey His Word. In Exodus chapter uh, 23, it says, But if you will truly obey His voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Joshua obeyed the strange command of God. So we are to obey his word. And then the Bible says, now listen, we obey his word. If we're committed to him, obey his word and avoid the world. Because the scripture says in Exodus 23:24, you shall not worship their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their deeds. You see, he expects that a believer is different from a non-believer. Now, you might be a Baptist and not be any different than a non-believer, but not a believer, not a Christian. God expects us to be different. If we are believers, if we are children of God, then He says that we are to obey His Word, we are to avoid the world, we are to be different, and then we can claim the victory. Look at chapter 6, verse number 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. The word given that is used there, I have given, is past tense. In other words, it is promised. God said, I've given it to you. It's already done. Now, they haven't done anything at this point, but he said, I've already given it to you. It is done. So then, if we're going to claim the promises of God, we have to have faith. We have to be committed to God because his plans are strange. And then there is patience. If we're going to claim his promises, we have to be patient. That's a problem for us, isn't it? Yes, it is. You know, we admire patience in the driver behind us, but not in the one in front of us. Patience is a problem for most of us. And and uh, I look at Joshua. God had promised him victory. And Joshua was patient. Look at chapter 6, verse number 14. Thus the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did so for six days. Can you imagine that? I mean, really, can you imagine that they are out there circling the city? Now, Joshua's out there, and everybody is probably saying, Now, Joshua, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to get it together today. We're going to go out and go walk, walk around the city. Okay, great. And they did that today. Next day they get up, Joshua, what are we going to do today? Well, we're going to go out there and march around the city. Okay. And they did. Third day. Joshua, what are we going to do today? Well, we're going to go out and march around the city. You know, I think old, old Joshua's lost his mind. You talk about, and, and I'm sure that Joshua must have been thinking, what if this doesn't work? I mean, I'm going to look like a fool out here. What, if, if I'm out here marching around, all these people marching around the city, and, and then nothing happens, 
He had tremendous patience. Do you have a problem with patience? Most of us have problems with patience, for instance, when we want to buy something. We want it right now, don't we? See, that's the reason we have a massive credit card debt. Because we didn't wait. We just go, if I want it, I'm going to get it now. One of these cards has got to work. i got seven. One of them, they got to take one of them. They don't take that one, then I'm going to give them this one. And so we have this enormous credit card debt because we're not patient. We're not willing to wait. And the psalmist said in chapter 37, verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Ladies and gentlemen, the problem some of us have is that we don't wait for the Lord. We don't even wait until we have the money. We just go out and get whatever it is we want. Psalm 37, 9, those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Now, not only is that true concerning uh, purchases, but it's also true concerning marriage, isn't it? There's some of you young people who say, man, I'm 25 years old. I've got to get married. You start looking around, who's available? I don't think he's going to amount to much, but, you know, hey, he's available. And so we get ourselves in trouble because we're not patient. We don't wait for the Lord. It's just time to get married, so I better get... You know who was like that? Samson was like that. Sam- Samson was a, was a man who had an eye for the girls. And he was like that. And he saw this girl, he wanted to marry her, and his parents didn't like the idea. And so the Bible says in Judges 14.3, Then his father and his mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all your people that you go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Now this is wisdom. Get her for me. She looks good to me. See... We're not patient. We don't wait for the Lord. We don't let God bring anyone into our life. We, we don't wait for someone to grow up so that we know what they are and spend the time that is necessary. It's just time to get married. So I'm going to get married. Even in our career, we don't want to be patient, do we? Bill Bosong, where's Bill? Where'd he go? I guess he left. I'm going to tell the story anyway. Bill gave his uh, testimony. Our deacons uh, last the other night, he gave his testimony, and he was telling about he had just graduated from college. And so he uh, got a job, and he went to his boss, Jim Hazel, and said, Now, what do I have to do to become a partner? Twenty-two years old. He's not ready to be a partner. He's ready to carry out the trash, do those kinds of things. It's not time for that. And now then we made a deacon out of him. He doesn't even show up, <laughs> which proves my point. See, we have to learn to be patient. Patience is essential if we're going to claim the promises of God. So what, what do we see in this passage of Scripture? If you're going to claim God's promises, then you have to respond to God in faith. You have to be committed to God because His plans are strange. And then we have to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord's timing. And when we do those things, then God intervenes to give us the victory. Jericho fell. Now, as I was looking at this, what, what happened? Well, I, I looked to Joshua and I see, first of all, that he worshipped the Lord. Look at chapter 5, verse number 15. The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. It began with him worshipping God. See, I mean, before they went to battle, before they marched around the city, before they did anything, the Bible says that he fell on his knees to worship the Lord. That's the starting point, ladies and gentlemen. We start by worshiping God. And then he was obedient to God. He marched around that city for six days. 
He got those people, and every day they would go around that city. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. And then on the seventh day, they marched around it seven times. He obeyed the Lord. He worshiped. Now, I think one of the reasons we probably have problems with obeying the Lord is that we don't first worship the Lord. Because obedience comes out of worship. And if we spend the time in worshiping the Lord, then it's easy for us to obey the Lord. So he worshiped the Lord. He obeyed the Lord. He was patient. He, was, he waited on the Lord. And he was victorious. Look at chapter 6, verse number 20. So the people shouted, and priests blew the trumpets. And it came about when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout. And the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead. And they took the city. Hebrews 11.30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Folks, there some of you have some obstacles that need to fall in your life. This is a wonderful story. But how do you apply it to your life? There are some obstacles in your life that need to fall. How can that happen? Well, first of all, worship God. Are you... Are you spending time just worshiping the Lord? That He is God of gods and Lord of lords. Worship Him. So we begin by spending the time necessary to worship the Lord. We focus on Him, not on the obstacles. Focus on God. Pray. Rather than complain, let's spend more time in prayer. We complain about so many things. We need to spend more time in prayer. So we worship Him. We pray. We obey the Word of God. Whatever God says. And I know that it's strange. I know that a lot of the things the Lord says are strange to us, but we obey the Word of God. And then, as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, it's also time for us to start talking about the Lord. Can you imagine what would happen if in all the churches across America, that people would go out and they start talking about the Lord? Talking about the Lord, lifting Him up. It's time for us to tell of His glory, that He is King of kings and Lord of lords. It is time for us to tell people about the resurrection, that He conquered death. It is time for us to tell people about the return of Christ, that He is coming again. In fact, the Bible says that's our blessed hope. In Titus chapter 2, verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Folks, when you and I respond to the Lord with faith and commitment and patience, God intervenes to fulfill his promises. Let me conclude. As the people of God, we're not victims of circumstances. We are not victims of circumstances. I look at Israel, and when they walked with God, they walked in victory. The Red Sea parted. Food was provided. Jericho fell. When they walked with God, they walked in victory. When you and I walk with God, we also walk in victory. I know there are a lot of people today talk about the church, and they talk about the demise of the church. The church is falling. You know, I've read so many articles recently about the church is going down the tubes. May I say something to you? The church of Jesus is secure. Because Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So the church is secure in Christ. And as believers, we also walk in victory with Him. Some of you have some Jerichos that need to be conquered. Some walls that need to fall. 
How can that happen with you? Have faith in God. Really believe in God. Be committed to His Word. Whatever His Word says is true. Be committed to His Word. Be patient. Might not happen for you today, but be patient because you can trust Him. And then be obedient to His Spirit. You see, the Lord's Spirit speaks to your heart. Drawing you to Christ. Giving you wisdom. Guiding you life. Giving you power. Walk in His Spirit. And that can begin right now during this invitation time. There are some of you who are facing some Jerichos, some walls that need to come down. What a great day for that to happen. Our Father in God, we come to you as we go into this time of invitation, lifting it up to you, asking, Father, that you speak to the hearts of your people. Lord, I pray for those who have never come to know Jesus as Savior, that today they would. I pray, Father, that they might respond in faith. And I, I pray for Christians, Lord, who, who are discouraged. And we become discouraged when we look at the problem rather than the problem solver. I pray, Father, today that you'll work in our lives. For those who need a church home, they'll feel welcome here. I pray that they would come. But, Lord, I just pray that you'll speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir's going to sing a hymn of invitation, an opportunity for you to respond to the Lord. I trust that you will in faith, that you'll be obedient to God. So if you're looking for a church home, our doors are open. If you've never been saved, if you don't know Christ, come today and trust Him. Stand with me, please, as we stand together. They sing as you sing. You come and I'll greet you.